I believe creation is fractal. You know, creation is what made us. And so we, as forms of creation, continue to create and create new paradigms, create new forms of art, create new conversations, create all this stuff. And I don't know, I feel like that's the dharma of the human experience is to continue the fractal of creation. sensory co-creative space-time coordinates. We are the amalgamation of various visible and invisible energy systems that together generates the human hologram. Mike Gadelic, new episode. I'm Mike Brancatelli, your you. That was Matt Zian in the intro, Time Wheel, Zian Archive Podcast, my brother Matt Zian. Always love chatting with Matt. In this episode, you guys are really going to dig it. We go all sorts of fractally creation places. And then that track was One Truth by Savage, spelled with a J at the end, S-A-V-E-J. Shout out to him. Thank you so much for that dope-ass track. His link to his Spotify is in the show notes, so description, all the things that you need. I don't want to tell you guys all this rambly stuff and like you're going to fast forward it anyway. You know, this, these intros are, are tricky because it's like, it's a necessity as an independent 
little podcast over here trying to make uh, make headway with with some giants out there trying to bring cool conversations to the forefront, get more people interested in the things that we're talking about over here. I have to tell you guys to go and show support for the show, leave five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps boost us up in the algorithm. Consider joining the Patreon for $5 a month. You get early release episodes, special bonus episodes, Patreon-only episodes, and the Inner Sanctum private Discord server where we're building a little micadelic community of people from all around the world chatting and sharing stories and offering support and links and just cool conversations and connecting with dope human beings. Shout out to all of you beautiful, amazing people who are patrons and Discord Inner Sanctum members. Also, uh, check out the sponsors, Element Kombucha, best kombucha, hands down. I'm a, I'm a booch uh, aficionado, I guess, connoisseur. I love kombucha. And, you know, I've, 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 had, uh, I've had some good ones, but Element Kombucha is by far the best. Love it. Absolutely love it. Put in the promo code MIKE11, get 11% off. Get yourself some beautiful booch from Element Kombucha. And uh, check out Being True to You and Fungi Academy. Also, shout out to Student Loan Tutor. And, um, yeah, that's really it. Stay, uh, stay tuned for, like, other offerings and stuff. I got another podcast out that I hosted with my brother Bill Burns. We have been hosting men's group experiences uh, together for the past like six months or so. And uh, we had that big retreat called Permission at the end of August. It was a huge success, absolutely epic. So much transformation and healing and love and community and brotherhood, celebration, bonding, just joys of, of connecting and collaborating and being real and raw and authentic. With, uh, with fellow men out there that are also looking for the same thing, getting primal, you know, getting, creating a safe container to allow ourselves to get deeply in touch with our, with our most basic primal masculine uh, things, <laughs> the qualities, life, way of being. Uh, it feels so good to do that. So we got a, uh, an epic retreat coming up in Boulder, Colorado on December, 20, on December 17th to the 19th called Inward, a Primal masculine journey. And uh, please check that out. The link is in the show notes, show description. All the links are in the show notes, show description, show notes, show description. I, I, I don't know which, what it, whatever it is, show notes, show description, you know, the place wherever you listen to your podcast, and then there's like the information links and the follow and the this and the that. So all the ways that you can show your love and support and get involved and join this community that we're building and, uh, and get more uh, info uh, and reach out to me. I'm happy to, to chat with you guys all, all the time, always. And, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into this awesome, epic fractal creation conversation with the infinite eternal being that is the Matt Zian, Zian archive. I don't know. I tried to make that kind of like flow a little bit there. I think I got a little choppy, but you know what I'm saying? Matt Zian, he's my dog. He's my homie, and we had a great chat. Check it out. Here it is. Pure magic, my friend. 
May the space be blessed. So. So. Time but- is such a funny thing, man. Like, I, I oftentimes will say to people, five minutes, ten minutes, and... I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but for me, time moves so much faster in the morning. Like it, it seems does. to move quicker in the in the morning. I wake up in the morning and my whole conception of time is different. I'm like, okay, cool. I got to be at the door in, in five minutes. I got enough time to do this, to do that. Right. And then before I know it, it's it's there. Right. Why do you think that is? Um, it's just probably more in your rhythm. You know, I think everyone has a rhythm and some people, they get that experience, you know, in the afternoon and at night, everyone's different for sure. Um, but I tend to find the morning hours way more productive for myself. Um, and time does fly and I'm able to get a lot more done. Um, it's almost like hacking time in my opinion, like getting up early before you'd normally get up. Um, in a sense of like, you know, like if you were to just wake up when you wake up, um, if you're actually able to push your alarm one, two, three hours earlier than when you would normally wake up. So let's say, let's just call it 6 a.m. instead of 8, you know, um, those two hours, I get more done in those two hours than I would in like six hours waking up and kind of going about the day slow. Um, I don't know. I tend to just really milk those morning hours and get a lot more done. <laughs> yeah, you're an early morning guy and you're a get stuff done in the morning guy. I find that to be so difficult for me because I just my brain doesn't work. Like well, caffeine is helping me. <laughs> oh yeah, true, true. I get a but triple you know what? shot every morning, triple shot of espresso. So I was at this retreat a couple of weeks ago, and one of the days we had to wake up and be ready to go by six. Mm-hmm. And at six, we circled up, we met, we talked, then we had a workout. Then after the workout, we did an ice bath and then a sauna, and then we did another workshop. And then by the time it was, oh, we, well, we ate breakfast somewhere in there, and then we did something else. And then by the time it was lunch, it had felt like uh, like I was like, wow, I can't believe we did all that shit. And then like later on that day. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, like this day has felt like four days <laughs> in one, you know? Yeah. Cause there's something too, like getting up in the morning and getting a lot of shit done early. Yeah. Then you feel like you've gotten it out of the way. You've, there's something there with right. that. I just need to figure out a way for my brain to function better mm-hmm. in the morning. I yeah. hate waking up to an alarm clock. You wake up to an alarm clock? Uh, on occasion, I do. Yeah. Um, sometimes my body just wakes me up. Um, I'm a very like, I, I have no problem getting to sleep, but I also wake up easily. And when I'm up, I'm up. Like, it's hard for me to like wake up and then go back to sleep. Even if I, sometimes I'll go to bed at, you know, 11 PM and then wake up at four or five and I'll be there and I'll be like, I kind of want to go back to sleep, but my body just won't let me. It's just like sitting there. I'm like, well, I better just get up then if I'm just going to s- sit here awake, you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> yeah, I heard, I remember I read uh, this book by author Mel Robbins. I forget. I think it was called like the five second trick or something like that. Mm-hmm. She basically, her basic thesis is, it's amazing how these people turn these things into books too, by the way. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's because like, you could boil it down into basically this. It's like, we have this like five second window to 
do the thing or not do the thing. Like we can convince ourselves to not do the thing. And, but if we switch that, we have like, we only have five seconds to make that switch. Mm -hmm. And when you make that switch within five seconds, then you're just like, you're cruising. You're, 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 you're better off. And then in the book, she talks about how, when you wake up to an alarm, if you hit the snooze button and go back to sleep, you know how that time always feels like it was nothing? Yes. She's like, she says that it's actually worse to do that. It's better to just wake up and go through the day rather than going snooze because you interrupt, you, your, you, your body goes back to like the state of REM sleep that you're in. Right. And then when you wake up like 20 minutes later or whatever, it's like, too difficult to then get back. It's like, it's almost like yeah. your, your body's like, wait a second. I thought we were going back to sleep. What the fuck are we doing? We're waking right. up again. So it like, doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And then she says that you wind up more tired. I've definitely yeah. experienced yeah. that. I would agree based on my personal experience. And as well, there's a similar thing about naps uh, with that as well. There's actually, I think there's two times to nap and it's 10 minutes and it's like 40 minutes. And mm-hmm. it's it should be either of those two because napping for an hour or two actually does the same thing. It puts you way more sleepy when you wake up. And even though you like supposedly got rest, you know, like you should be more energized. You're not. But if you were to nap, quote unquote, for just 10 minutes, you actually do get more energized. And I've noticed that that works for me as well. But a lot of what you just said actually resonates with a book that the sheath team and myself are reading actually right now called getting things done. And one of the most profound, um, you know, lessons in the book is called the two minute rule. And it reminded me a lot of your five second rule right there, which is when it, when it, when a thing comes up in your consciousness as something that you need to do, if you know, it'll take you less than two minutes to do, you should do it right when it comes up because stacking repeatedly things that you know you should do, but I'll do it later. I know I should do that, but I'll do it later. I know I should do that, but I'll do it later. When you stack up 10, 20, 50 of these things, your whole system gets bogged down. Essentially, your RAM is being used up and you get into like a a nasty downward spiral of productivity um, where you can never do anything now because Mm. you're, you're so backlogged that like you're just overwhelmed more or less. And even if you won't admit it to yourself, your system is overwhelmed. And you don't know why you're just not in the mood to, to create or to do whatever. It's because your body is literally like, yo, you have like 900 things you said you'd do later that you haven't done yet. So what this dude is trying to get you to do is there's a couple of lessons in the book. But this is a very powerful one. If a thing comes up and it'll take you two minutes, just do it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for example, I need to send off a text. I need to hit up Mike, right? It's like, oh, I'll hit up Mike in a few hours. Does it take that long to hit you up? It takes 10, 20 seconds. You know, open the phone, send the message, boom. It's done. It's off my mental palate. Now I can wait for your response and we'll we'll go. You know, like um, you need to take out the trash. You know, what does that take? A minute, you know? Like, right. so as these things come up, if you're able to do them, you actually get into a sprint or a spree and you're enjoying how much you're getting done that it puts you on a high and you get even more done. So right, it's just about yeah. like kickstarting that, you know what I mean? That makes a lot of sense. You know, like all all the people that I've worked with that are like CEOs or leaders, creators, they always do things like right away and quickly. And like 
take action. Like I was out to dinner with a guy last night and I was telling him about this thing that I have for my plants called a three-way meter where you put it in the soil and it tells you like how much light the plant is getting and the if it needs water or whatever. I'm like, it's so good because I, I need to, I have a lot of plants now and I, I want to take good care of them. And he's like, oh wow, that's really cool. I never heard of that before. He And then he just bought it immediately. Like he just like went and he's like, oh, just ordered it. Yep. It's like the the take action approach to exactly what you're saying. If it takes less than two minutes, like firing off an email. One of my first jobs that I ever worked um, in New York, I was working sales and and my, my boss like taught me how to write good emails to CEOs and leaders mm-hmm. um, because he's like, dude, he's like, I get emails if it's longer than like, if it's not right to the point of like what they want, like I just don't even look at it. So <laughs> like I would see all these people and then like in jobs in the future too, I would see all these people writing like, hello, I hope this email re- reaches you well today. I hope you're doing well. Like I was uh, looking at your blah, blah, blah. And I was wondering, da, da, da. And then, you know, it's like this, this really tight, rigid, formal thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, he's like, you could literally shoot me an email that doesn't even have to be like punctuated well or grammatically correct. As long as it tells me what you want from me, I'm right. a thousand times more likely to respond to you. Right. So I would just start shooting off emails that would literally say like half the thing that I wanted in the subject line. Right. And then the rest of the email would just be like, when can we like meet for this? And yep. I would get so many responses. Yeah. And I noticed that now too, like in the past, I used to be like, oh man, I got to hit up Matt. Like, Oh, what do I have to, what am I going to say to Matt? Like, oh, I got, oh man, like I kind of want to say something like really good or I want to find like a cool gif that like, you know, like, or whatever. And now I'm just like, just do the thing. Just do that. What do you want? What do you want? Right, Cause like right, right. we have to, like why waste time on that? Now we get Absolutely. to, we get to waste time here on the podcast and dive in deep and talk about all kinds of things. But mm-hmm. like, if I just want to ask you a question or I need something from you, just right. boom, shoot it off the, shoot off the it, text. It's funny how, you know, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's funny how relationships, once they're like in a flow and in a lock, like the way, you know, we have a solid, you know, collaboration and friendship going, then it's all, it can be more of that, like quick, direct thing. But when you're first starting out making a a new friend, you know, to be, you know, overly (laughs) direct and not friendly, you know what I mean? It doesn't really work. So it's funny how at the beginning of building relationships, there's a lot more attention of this let's how are you today you know these types of things and then later on we're like hey bro how's the how's the sponsorships going you know or whatever so it's just for sure yeah like like (laughs) like uh reaching reaching out to someone to be a guest on the podcast like i especially if it's someone that i really admire and respect in the in i'm way better at it now but in the past like dude i've been trying to get duncan trussell on the show you know like for for a while i'd love to talk to that guy yeah and um you know, uh, like I remember in the past, like I wrote him like a huge like email, you know, like paragraphs because mm-hmm. it was like, I want to say all the cool, like the right things. I want him to know that like we have a connection and that mm-hmm. like we should talk and why we should talk because of this and because of that. <laughs> and now and then like this was like years ago, like probably even bef- like right when I started Mikeadelic. And then um now, like since then, I get those emails, mm-hmm. so I know how it is, and I'm like, oh, dude, like, I would love to like connect with you and stuff, but like, my brain shuts off when I have two pages of an email, right? And I get to it, but I don't get to it till later on because it mm-hmm. takes longer than two minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. No, hundred percent. Yeah, I've learned that exact thing as well as someone who used to reach out 
to music blogs, record labels, and these types of things before we had our own um, and would do that same thing. I would put like, this is why my music means so much to me and please listen to it. And I love you because of this, this, and this that you did and never get any responses. And I would kind of be like, ah, bummer, you know, I'm just going to make my own label then. And, you know, kind of thank God that that happened because it turned out really, it worked out really well for me. But, um, but yeah, now that I'm in that seat of receiving the messages, I kind of know exactly what you mean, where it's kind of just like, where's the SoundCloud link? I need that more than anything, you know, and I need to hear it, right? Because some people will send me, I would rather, again, just see, you know, hey, I found Time Wheel through XYZ, I enjoy this and listen to this, what do you think? than a lot of words and then i have to respond to ask for the music that type of thing you know and it's it's an art to try and like condense it down into the main points that you're trying to hit Mm -hmm. and i also understand because i think that a lot of us especially for people that we admire and respect that we don't know you know people that like for example i used to listen to i'll just use duncan again like i used to listen to his podcast all the time and I felt like, man, like I fucking like I resonate so much with this dude. Like I mm-hmm. connect so much with this guy. And there's this sense of wanting to like wanting to have a community with these people that we right. hear, but we don't know. And we feel like we know them and we feel like we connect with them. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, 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 this like nervousness. Like I always say that I'm like, like a, like a, teenage girl that like hopes like the guy will call you know like you know it's like oh man i hope the message is like good i hope you know Mm -hmm. and you know now it's just kind of like i i understand it a little bit more uh, a little differently but still it is like uh you know you still get those like feelings of like i sent them a message like why didn't they respond like what happened is there a problem like can Mm -hmm. we I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's going on. And, you know, and it, and it really only happens with, with people that, uh, that I'm really close with or like people that are idols and heroes of mine. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like being a fanboy, and I totally get it. And, and I'm a fanboy of many people as well, where it's just like, damn, your work is so uh, exciting to me and intriguing. And I would love to build and, hang out and do mushrooms with this guy but like he's too busy to do mushrooms with with me you know what I mean? it's funny but um i who was do you, gonna... who do you fanboy out uh most like who would be like your top few people that you would just be fucking thrilled to hang out with dude for sure joe rogan holy okay, shit yeah, That'd yeah be totally amazing yeah. um i actually i'm a big fan of eric godsey and yeah. uh i've actually been able to hang out with him a few times which is pretty dope i've been on his podcast um, I love Tim Ferriss, you know, okay. he's, he's a big kind of idol, um, in the entrepreneur world, you know, psychedelically tuned in type of dude. Um, let's see who else we got. Uh, I really actually love Leo from actualize.org. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's been interesting recently. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear him for a very long time until after I had done five MEO DMT and he had, he speaks a lot about 5-MEO. That's one of the main medicines that he makes use of in his consciousness explorations. And since discovering that molecule and him on YouTube, I've probably heard like 50 hours of his of his work. Um, Mm. So I definitely uh, look up to him as well. But yeah, these types of people who are seemingly on a similar path, you know, 
um, who we could learn from, vibe with, maybe offer some of our own juice to what they're doing and maybe it benefits them, you know, that type of thing. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, people that inspire me are definitely like in the psychedelic field, but also like uh, are in the like in a wellness practice and also just like being successful. You know what I mean? Like that they're able to do what they want to do for a living and not work a job that they don't want to work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Were you going to say something else there? I kind of cut you off with that. But uh, No, no, I think. Well, what about you? Who are some of your icons, idols and, and whatnot? Rogan, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I, I just, yeah, I feel, I feel uh, a kinship with him. Yeah. And, uh, and he just seems like, he just seems like what he is, you know, mm-hmm. like he's just that guy. That's who he is. He's, he doesn't have like a different persona or something. You're like, oh man, this guy's an asshole in real life. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and I would say Duncan, you know, yeah. um, I just think that like, he, he's, I just love the way his mind works and how he creates and how he puts the humor and everything and yeah. makes it weird and crazy. And it's so good. Yes. And, uh, I would say, mm, fuck who else? Maybe. Maybe Douglas Rushkoff. Okay. I, I I love his where he's like another guy that like I would love to have on the show and I messaged him a couple of times and it just like, you know, like, I don't know, I could prob- probably still pester him again, but he's <laughs> just brilliant, man. I, I mean, I would also say David Graber, but he passed away this past year and he's like mm. one of my heroes as well. Mm. Just an anarchist, anthropologist, philosopher, R. brilliant R. guy. Well, yeah. well, you talking about the podcast is actually um, a great kind of segue because by having a platform, we actually have a reason to talk to some of these people, right? Because, you know, just saying I want to get coffee with someone like that they're too busy to maybe get coffee. But if there's a podcast and there's something in it for them and they get to share their message with a new community, I found that I've been able to interview and talk to people that, you know, I wouldn't otherwise. So sure. I don't know. I, I think that that's one of the beauties of, of having an art form, uh, that, you know, we're at home in. Um, and yeah, that, that could be music. Like if you're a musician, you could collaborate with another musician you love. Like maybe they, you offer, uh, a commission for them to remix one of your tracks, you know, and because it's like, there's this work involved, um, this like co co manifestation, going on like there's more of a an interest from the the, the other party uh as to want to you know do something with you because you know there's a platform there's an art form involved in the collaboration and not just let's meet for coffee because yeah you know some of these people are super busy and they they barely can keep up with their own stuff let alone what you expect from them, you know? So. For sure, yeah. I was just thinking, like, we should pay Michael Phillip to remix this podcast that we're doing right now. <laughs> and he, he could just throw in, like, little, like, wow, that is technodelic. Or, like, yeah, you know, like things like his little... Wonder Dipper little drops. Idioms and phrases. Wonder Dipper. And, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Dipper drops. Like, that's <laughs> wonderlicious. <laughs> yes, that's funny. Dude, this podcast remixed by Third Eye Drops is sick. Yeah, let's just change the art form. <laughs> yeah, let's drop yeah. a podcast album with remixers from other podcasters. Yeah, that we could we could do whatever we want. There's no <laughs> there's no rules in this game. Totally. That's yeah. Funny. Yeah, dude. Well, gotta gotta give a shout out to one of the best new sponsors that we have, 
Element Kombucha, which Element. is just like, dude, this kombucha is I crushed all of it. Everything yeah. they sent me, I drank it. I wish I still had some. Yeah. Uh, it's so good, man. It's you know, I like it. It's the the flavors are amazing. Like the yeah. the mountain oolong is yeah, probably my, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I love that one. And um and the other one that's uh oh, the C B D one is nice. Yeah, and summer then, vibes. Yeah, yeah. The green is really refreshing. But it's like you ever get a kombucha and and it's uh you open it up and it's just like you're like swallowing all these bubbles and you're like yeah. fizzing everywhere. It's like you can't even swallow it. It like right. hurts. Element is like smooth, man. Yeah. It's, it's kind of smooth. It's kind of more like juice, you know? Yeah, but it still has it has like the perfect amount of bubbles. Yes. You know? And it's just I love kombucha, man. I'm just like so happy that they're Me too. crafting these amazing uh concoction so yes put in the code mike 11 get 11 percent off this really dope kombucha yes uh it's just the best if you're a kombucha fan and trust me i've so uh brew doctor uh did a little sponsorship with mike delic not too long ago they, they're good mm -hmm. uh rowdy kombucha i like them too there's a couple of other kombuchas but by far element is like in a class of its own it's mm -hmm. really it's my favorite one now. Like, it's yeah. just like, I don't even want to drink anything else. It's just so fucking good. I could share some pretty interesting stuff about the founder as well. Oh, um, yeah, please do. Yeah, his name's Tima. And how I came to know Tima is he actually resides at one of the local art studios in downtown San Antonio as a woodworker um, who also collaborates with our good friend Payson Jones, AKA the art of waking up. He's an amazing visionary artist and um, they are both very psychedelic plant medicine type dudes. Uh, I know Tima's done ayahuasca, you know, I think tens of times. Um, he, he's always working with Mapacho. Every time I see him, he's got Mapacho. Um, and yeah, just very like cool grounded guy. He spins fire. Uh, he's got a great art studio. They're doing this, um, Breath of the Serpent, I believe it's called, um, wood snake installation, pretty much like something you'd see at Burning Man. And they're premiering it at Ostronox in Austin, which is a, a music and arts festival in early November, which I'm actually DJing at, which is going to be dope. And then they're also going to premiere it at Luminaria, which is in San Antonio, Texas. And again, it's another music and arts festival. So he and uh, Tima and Payson, yeah, built this amazing serpent. It's like, I don't know, 50 feet long or something made out of wood and you can walk through it and it's pretty much a house too. So you can, you know, like I'm sure they're on the, on the, uh, premiere, they're going to have like bean bags and carpets and places to chill and vibe, you know, I'm at, you know, like kind of like at the place where we went and where you were in that tea tent yes, at yes. unison. Yeah. It'd be like a, it'd be like that tea tent if it was a sculpture. Nice. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. How did you enjoy that fest? Oh yeah. Sh shout out to Tima, Element Kombucha. Much love. Thank you for sponsoring the Time Will Podcast Network. But um, but I wanted to say how how did you enjoy Unison because it was cool hanging with you there. I I loved hanging with you there. It was so fun. You and Steven and everybody else uh, that was there. The the Austin crew, the, the mm -hmm. Denver crew. We got a little Santa Fe crew in the house too. Yeah. And uh, it was so fun, man. It was like one of my favorite festivals, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think like it, it wasn't so much about the, the, the 
big name artists that were gonna that were there. Like mm-hmm. Parangay killed it. Like Equanimous, I had him on the show yesterday. Oh, wow. uh, dope dude. You know, I loved his set. <clears throat> Other people too, but the the festival element is the element where I feel most alive in. Yeah, like or the modality I feel most alive in because I feel so free and they set the conditions for us to feel free no lines no like people checking your bags or things like that everything was free flowing and it was just like i had this moment i'm fucking high on lsd you know sitting in like waist up in the water just big ass smile on my face with a with a joint in the in the water listening to the beach stage i like look up the sun is shining people are dancing women are naked dancing on the paddle <laughs> on the paddle board like the big fiesta paddle board yeah the beats are fire friends are everywhere and then i see somebody on a zip line just zip line right into the river and drop in i'm like this is paradise man. it is it was like paradise. this is paradise <laughs> like this is awesome it absolutely was paradise that was actually my first camping festival i've ever been to Oh, sick, man. So I had never stayed for three days at a festival. I've only ever been to a festival for one day, and then we leave the night of. Or maybe we sleep there and then leave the next morning. Um, wow. So I loved it. I I felt such a sense of community. I was really like, this is the Instagram feed for real, though, right? You know, like right. the people that we follow on Instagram and, you know, when we're at home and we're not at a festival, it's like they're all here and you see them in person and those interactions are so much more potent and so much more special than the Instagram verse, you know what yeah. I mean? Because, you know, we all get sucked into that and it's part of marketing and all this and that. But I don't know. I really enjoy the in-person interactions. Um, and and it, funny as well, like we kept walking to your tent over and over to try and find you too. And I thought that was cool how it felt almost like the neighborhood used to feel when you were a little kid, when you would just yeah. walk to your friend's house and see if they're available instead yeah. of calling, you know, like, cause now it's always like you got to call and text and I'm here. Like they just text you. I'm here these days. They don't even knock on your door. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's all through the phone. <laughs> I do that all the time. Right. So, yeah. so to get to walk to your tent and find you is funny. It's like, Oh, we found you. Or someone would be at your tent and be like, Oh, he went that way. And then we would kind of follow the trail and, we actually kept asking people about you like the whole time. We were like, have you seen Mikeadelic? Have you seen Mikeadelic to people? And they loved the question. They loved it. They're like, Mikeadelic? He sounds awesome. You know, like, who is he? And I was like, oh, you, you, you don't know him? He's he's the king. He's the podcast king. <laughs> the king. That shit was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it felt it felt really good. Big shout out to uh, Amaret and, uh, and, and Eric and um, anybody else that I'm forgetting that I saw there. Like it was really cool for people to just be like, hey, are you Mike Brancatelli? And I was like, I am. Yeah. They're like, oh, cool. I listen to your podcast. I'm like, all right, awesome. Like, I love that like our people were there, you know, mm-hmm. like it felt like our people. Like, and and because it was so free, because there were copious amounts of psychedelics, because the music <laughs> was the music was such medicine too. Yes, the it was intentional. Oh, Sam from Infinity Hood. Shout out to Sam. Got to cop some dope gear and got to hang out with him. He's an awesome dude making just amazing clothes from the remnants of fast fashion. Yeah. And um, yeah, he told me, I completely blew my mind. He said that like fast fashion is one of the biggest um, contributors to like killing the planet, basically. What is that fast fashion? It's like H&M and 
like Target, whatever, like all these places that just like whip up clothes. He said that the seasons now for these fast fashion companies are uh, two weeks. So yeah, it's like so then they you throw have, everything out. And then they throw everything out. So yeah, all the that. stuff that they throw out is the stuff that he goes and finds and uses to make his clothes. Got it. But it's like, yeah, it's apparently it's just really taking a toll on the earth yes. and resources and stuff. And he, yeah, he's like, he's like, they have early fall and late fall, mm-hmm. early winter and middle winter and late winter and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that is true. You always see new shit coming out. Yeah. But the problem with it is a lot of it isn't really good quality, you know, because right. they're just trying to pump it out so quick, you know? I yeah. miss good quality. You know? I saw I a meme. Good quality things. Like an informative meme, you know, kind of like an earth based, let's say the earth type message meme uh, that had showed. Uh, Forever 21 throwing out like tons and tons of clothing that could honestly have been donated to homeless people or something like that. And it just went in the trash. And, you know, it definitely hurts your heart a little bit to see that all that clothing, you know, could be used and it's just going into the trash for the New York City, uh, you know, uh, dump to collect more or less. And yeah, that's it's a weird thing, you know, but. I have been tuning in more to being conscious about clothing. Um, you know, for example, we went and saw the wolves in uh, Woodland Park. There's like a wolf park. Oh, and cool. the whole time they were telling us how messed up the fur industry is, both for foxes and wolves and, and everything. And they were pretty much like, don't support people selling fur. If you see fur inside of a shop, literally tell the front desk you're not going to be shopping there until they get rid of their fur. And I kind of resonate because these are endangered animals. These are sacred animals and we shouldn't be killing them just to wear dope shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, just get the like fake fur. If you're going to, if you're going to, if you're, if you love the look of fur and I totally get it, it looks dope, but you know, don't support that fur industry and that are like out there like killing dogs and shit. That's not cool. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, you bring up such a great point. I mean, it's like a lot of times I feel like we could feel hopelessness or like we're victims to this machine that just keeps marching forward. But really, I mean, like when you become aware of things, if you're interested to become aware of things, then you could start making choices and just simply those choices of saying no, not buying stuff that decreases the demand for that thing. And then the producers of that thing are going to be like, oh, shit, like nobody's buying our shit anymore. What are we going to do? Well, what are they buying? Oh, they're buying that faux fur like stuff. Okay, well, maybe let's make that, you know, we'll make it really good. I mean, look at like how like organic food and and everything has come so mainstream, like everywhere you go now, there's they have healthy organic options, fresh, local. Right. And that wasn't a thing like. I mean, even just 10 years ago, right. it was like just starting to become a thing 10 years ago. People would make fun of you mm-hmm. if you were like, oh, I have to have like an organic kale yeah. smoothie. It's like, yeah. yeah, dude, like I don't want to eat poison. Like right. I don't want to put poison exactly. in my body. They almost like- <laughs> kind of shame you for paying more too. Like, cause actually I worked at the grocery store. So I would, I would see the almost like, why are you buying like the super expensive version of the broccoli? You know, you know, you could get triple the broccoli for the same price, you know, but it's it's the non-organic, you know, like they'd be like, oh, that's too expensive. And it's funny how what, what, what we will spend our money on and what we won't. And like some of the most important stuff 
like your health, like what you put into your body, your temple, you will not want to spend money on, but you want to spend money on external things like a car, you know, and this is the real car. This is the important car right here. The other car is is going back on the shelf, you know, it's it's going to the dump. This one, it's got to carry you through 100 years on this earth and you don't invest in it by eating better stuff, by paying a little more, you know what I mean? It's It's so interesting how backwards things can be sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, food, like I talked about this actually with Equanimous, who I recorded a podcast with the mm-hmm. other day. And, you know, he's very passionate about this. And mm-hmm. I always like to hear, you know, he's like, dude, he's like Trader Joe's, even Trader Joe's isn't good. I was like, what? No, not my Trader Joe's, not my little TJ's. Right. <laughs> I sound like Aziz when I did it. <laughs> oh, no, not TJ's, man. Um <laughs> But like, yeah, they because they they you know the packaging they all trick you into thinking everything's like healthy, organic. But yeah, you know, yeah. At the end of the day, like if everybody made the choice to to buy organic and local, then you know we'd probably put a lot of these. Uh, you know, the, well, we'd put we'd put them on notice. We'd mm-hmm. put the big ag on notice. Like, hey, man, like people don't want this shit anymore. You want to stay in business? You want to make money? Adapt or die. Yeah, you know that's yeah. that's sort of the way. Like that, I think that's I think that is the way. I had um, author John Perkins on the show a while ago. He wrote mm-hmm. the book Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Fucking one of the best books I ever read in my life. I read it in 2010, and I was like, oh shit, I can't believe this is going on in the world. And mm-hmm. um, he talks about you know voting with your dollar, voting with your choices. And he he made the point like I I have to agree with him because I see it happening. It's like if like these businesses want to stay in power and they want to have they want to make money they don't, they're not they don't want to fail. So if people start demanding different things from them, they're going to adapt to that. Yeah. Otherwise, they're stupid and they yeah. you know they don't. Yeah, they have to. But it is funny you you said something a minute there about how they trick us into it being uh, healthy. And I have seen a bunch of that labeling come up on even, you know, like candy, right? It's like candy. It's like made with real (laughs) fruit juice. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what was it made with before? Shit, you know, it literally, it says fruit on it, you know? And so now they have a little green badge made with fruit juice. It's like, oh, I could buy this one. This one's healthy, you know, but sometimes it's not any different. Like literally the materials, or not materials, but like the ingredients might not be any different at all. All they did was add a sticker to it and now you feel better about it. Oh, you funny. feel so good when you see when you see the little circles. Yep. The right? little circles. You feel so good. Like non GMO, yep. gluten free, certified B, like all these right. things like, oh man, this well, is some of those I are better good. than just like made with made with real sugar, right? It's like Yeah, totally. Oh, real yeah. sugar, cool. It's it's not fake sugar, so let's eat the sugar, you know? <laughs> no no trans fats. Yeah, I, I think that I think if I remember correctly, I think that that was a thing that was just like invented mm-hmm. to give the perception that like Lay's potato chips were healthier or something. Yeah. Like they're like Lay's potato chips now with no trans fats. Mm-hmm. And people were like, what the fuck is trans fat? Mm-hmm. And then like they just said some gobbledygook and they're like, yeah, but see that we don't have it anymore. Yeah, it's like, yeah, now right. now Lay's potato chips without sewage no sewage <laughs> no nails right. no broken pieces of glass oh god that sounds good mm-hmm. that's what it's like how are we eating food that is like sprayed with pesticides and all this shit right it's crazy man you can really tell the difference like if you buy a normal tomato and then you buy an organic tomato and you cut oh. them open and do an a b test the organic one is like triple as good 
So dog. it is so worth it. You, you dog. Yeah, it tastes like dog. a real fucking you, tomato. <laughs> I'm gonna do a Joey Diaz. Listen to me, Joe Rogan. <laughs> dog, dog. Let me tell you, I bought a fucking local organic tomato, dog. <laughs> He, uh, we that, live in the Cush so, life. I love when he says the Cush life. <laughs> we live in the Cush life, dog. So I got a, I got, um, I, I got, I, have, I had a dinner at someone's house uh, down in Southern Colorado, and and they had a garden, and and they picked the tomatoes that day. Wow! And everything else, and we ate them, and I was like, this is, it was like this was a while ago, and it was like, wow, like this is so much better. This is so much like. The tomato that you buy in the grocery store that's like non-organic compared to this, it's basically like you might as well be eating plastic yeah. or cardboard. Right. The taste is like out of this world when it's fresh. Yes. And also the energy it provides, um, the prana that it gets from the sun itself. Um, if you are to take it off of it, its support system, its vine, and eat it within 30 minutes or so, like it actually is still full of life force energy and prana. Versus these things that are shipped over, they're off the vine for probably weeks before you ever get it. Like mm -hmm. the life force energy is long gone at that point. It's like 1% of what it is when you pick it off of the vine and eat it right then and there. And that's going to, uh, you know, uh, bring so much more nutrition, but also just energy in the sense of spiritual energy, uh, life force energy, prana stuff that makes your nervous system work better, that makes your whole body work better, your your endocrine system work better, all that good stuff. And that's what we evolved to eat. That was the only way we ate prior to this current system where everything's mass produced and preserved and put pesticides on and shipped to you. And it takes two or three weeks to get to you and you think it's still good. And maybe it is still good, but it's not nearly as good as it should be for what a human evolved to eat you know what i mean yeah totally yeah 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 i mean it's uh it's a real it's a real epidemic you know mm -hmm. i mean there's a lot there's a lot of real epidemics mm -hmm. <laughs> there's only one pan <laughs> hey we can't talk about that we can't i didn't talk about anything okay Wait, i don't right. know i was talking about peter pan they're gonna put a, la a warning label dude it's fucking crazy man <laughs> it's the other really day i nuts. saw something that said like this is misinformation. Everyone was sharing it. Uh, and you go to it and it was just a quote. That's all it was. It was a quote by a guy from like 100 years ago that talked about when misinformation will be a thing. And it was like, fact checkers have said this is false. And it's like, it's just a quote. How is that false? A guy said mm -hmm. a thing. You can't yeah. say that that's false. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw something else that was like that. It's just wild, man. Like I... It's just uh, the the world of efficiency and safety. It's like it's eating us up. It's devouring the human soul. Right. You know, it's like like did I tell you about the time that I got a, a speeding ticket. Didn't even get pulled over. I just got flashed. Oh, okay. So you've heard about that when you run like a red light, yes. right? Fair enough. I get that. But this was different, man. Like I was just driving on the road and then all of a sudden I saw a bright flash and I was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And then I and I thought, no. Yeah. I was like, don't tell me. Don't right. tell me that they're just flashing people now. Right. They're not even pulling you over. And that's sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And I was like, man, this is fucked up because you get rid of when you get rid of the human element, you get rid of humanity. You get rid of like, you know, like yeah. what if I was on the way 
to the hospital. My wife's give you know going to be right. pregnant or something, or I right. chop my finger off, and I like need a to real get it cop would have stopped you, found out what's going on, and said, "Let's actually fly to the hospital. Follow me." Right and now, and now all you get is a ticket in the mail. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. You need to you need to have that human connection, you know. Well, I think it depends on your local laws, but in certain areas and jurisdictions, it actually is unlawful to do that because an officer has to witness the crime. And right. there is no witness when it's a robot. There's literally no witness. It's just a robot, you know? Like so a crime didn't technically take place, meaning the speeding or the the going past the red light. Uh, those types of things, which I don't know if that's a crime, but I yeah, guess so it's, it's like, like a, a if if a tree falls in the forest kind of thing. Yeah, if a car if a car speeds faster than the posted speed limit, but there's no cop to see it, did it really happen? Exactly, that's it. And <laughs> I believe that should be part of the law system because there should be someone to stand there and say, "This is my side of the story. I'm the police. I'm here at I'm here at the hearing, and he flew going 110 miles an hour down a 40." And that's not safe. So, you know, he needs to get a fine for that. And I would agree with that. But when a robot catches you, you know what I mean? There's no yeah. witness there. And that's just kind of like not the precedent that the law was founded around in my understanding of it. And I'm definitely not a lawyer. So don't quote me on all this shit. But all I know is I've heard through the grapevine that, you know, it's actually like not uh, legal or lawful to enforce tickets when no police officer was present I and mean, you know check with your local laws because it, it be just doesn't everywhere, seem but, right yeah you know it just doesn't feel right it's right. like dude what the fuck like that's my biggest problem with uh, the modern world that we live in is the the red tape and bureaucracy you know like there's um when you're dealing with a larger company or corporation or whatever government system there's no like wiggle room that right. you would have if you had like a relationship based thing where you'd be like, Hey, look, you know, like this was an accident, this was a mistake. And then the person's like, I understand. Yeah, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. I know you come in here all the time. You know, you've been a customer for a long time. We'll take care of you. When you're dealing with like something like Facebook or like the right. government or like fucking Chase Bank or whatever the fuck, they're mm -hmm. just like, Hey man, this is our policy. Like, there's no one even there to be like, right? We'll we'll talk to you. We'll help you. We'll work it out. It's just this. Yep. It's just an algorithm or machine. Don't you protocol. hate when you call a company and you can't talk to anyone? Hate it. I hate that. It's like just a bunch of machines, and they say the same thing five times in a row before you get the right number to press number five. And it's like, dude, I've wasted so much time here. Someone should just be answering these calls, honestly, you know, <laughs> dude, what about what about this? What about have you ever called somewhere and either a person or a machine makes you put in your like information, your name or yep. say your name and your address or your phone number, or something like that. Then you get on the phone with somebody else yep. and, they, and they ask you the same fucking yes. thing. Yep. And I was and like, like, why dude. did I put it in before then? If you didn't get that information, who got that? Who got that information then if it's not you? You know what I mean? Because they'll be like, yeah, yeah, who is this? And what's your number? And what's your social security? And blah, blah, blah. It's like, I had input that all already. You know? <laughs> Why do you, you know need me to tell thinking? you I'm, again? Exactly. You know what I'm thinking now is that I'm thinking that like maybe maybe all the conspiracy theorists that are like, oh, we're going to get tracked and traced and chips and all this stuff. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they'll know. They'll, everyone will just know who you are now. You don't have to fucking waste time on the phone or whatever, right. like emailing back and forth. It's just like, yeah, it's me. Here's yep. my shit. Right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with all that and where the world's going, but it's definitely in a very 
you know, it seems to be in some type of a tipping point with a lot of things. Society is either about to evolve or about to collapse. And I definitely hope it's evolve. You know, I think it's going to, ha- I think both. Yeah. Yeah. Do you well, think, I, like, like, I think it's both, man. I think that, like, I think I'm seeing what I'm seeing is that people are just like, you know, the, the 2020 shit, like, threw everybody for a loop. A lot of people had to do things that they weren't used to doing, but a lot of people got to spend time with their families, you know, at home yeah. and things like that. And, like, people are not going back to the same way of working and stuff. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you're always going to have the people that just follow the the orders of the, you know, the main drum that's beating. But yeah. I think a lot of people are also just, like, taking things in their own hands, forming communities, networks, programs, co-ops, things like that, and just trying to make things work in, like, a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think hats off to the people that are, you know, trying to create change from within and change by uh, changing themselves and providing a solid example because uh, so many people just want someone else to make the change. They're just like, hey, I'm going to vote for this guy because he's going to change the world. Uh, I don't have to change at all. Like I could stay in my shitty habits and I'm just going to vote for this guy and he's going to do all the stuff. But I don't know. I, I personally don't subscribe to that logic. I, I really think if you want the world to change, you need to be the change. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, totally. And yeah. then work on your microcosm and it'll slowly co- go to the macro. And as other people do that, it'll overlap. And then the the, the macrocosm starts actually becoming a, a field that has changed and has uh, a community evolving. And I mean, certain places do that i mean i see denver doing that austin's doing that certain california uh places are doing that you know and i'm my my particular interests are of course with cognitive liberty which is why i love coming on your show um and obviously i believe people should be able to uh explore their consciousness with with whatever means that uh they care to and you know plant medicines are obviously one of the big ways to do that that have that's been you know illegal for you know the past 30 years and finally we're able or maybe more than that but 50 years i guess um finally we're slowly getting back to where we're able to not be afraid to have a ceremony and fear that the cops are going to bust in because it's decriminalized now so thank god that some of that's happening and we're going to live to see that day and not have to live in uh this shitty world where you have to hide what you're into you know what i mean yeah yeah <clears throat> even like the people that are like yeah whatever man it doesn't really affect me i do it anyway it's like yeah but you still have the conditioned energy within you knowing like unconsciously that well it is illegal and i could go to jail or right. people could bust in here and you know and and i think that like as it's becoming more acceptable I mean, dude, I can get weed delivered to my house right now. You know, like I could go walk into a store and just be like, yeah, I'll take it. Like, that's the way it should be. And it changes things. And if a cop pulls up, you're not instantly afraid. No. You know, you're like in a place like where you're at, for example, (laughs) like where, where, where marijuana and, and psilocybin are decriminalized. If a cop was to show up at your house, you wouldn't be like, hell no, I'm not answering that door. Fuck that. You would actually be like, huh, I wonder why he's here. I mean, clearly not to get my shrooms, you know, but like. Uh, I'm going to answer the door and say, what's up? Is there any help? I I don't fear this officer. But like when you're, you know, like a consciousness explorer and you're in a place where that's illegal, 
you don't want anything to do with the police. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want to give them a reason to suspect you X, Y, Z. You know, there's so many reasons why we kind of avoid, you know, even being nice to a police officer. It's like, I want to be nice to this guy. He's a fellow human, but Hey, he could really fuck my life up and throw me in jail if I smell like weed. So I'm trying to not get near him, you know, and that sucks for them too. Like the police officers, that's a shitty situation where people, don't respect you, you know, because you're enforcing things that are just kind of lame, you know, and uh, people are afraid of you instead of like grateful that you're here and to protect us and stuff, you know? Yeah, dude, it's, it's uh, like, there was so much, there was so much like gun drug violence mm-hmm. in like this, particularly in like the eighties, nineties, like that was a thing. And it's like, yeah, all that shit could just be avoided if this was all just legal mm-hmm. or or not even legal, just not even criminalized in the first place. Let people just do what they want with it. Like I could grow kale in my garden just mm-hmm. like that. Like, you know, like let people just do that if people want to buy in stores too. Right. So it's like, obviously right. it's a lot more complex than that. But like, even like now, like I, I can't go back and like, it's hard for me to watch like a movie, like, like lethal weapon or something like that. Like these mm-hmm. like eighties, like, a lot of 80s 90s movies like action movies and stuff like the the bad guy is always like he runs an evil drug operation mm-hmm. and they're like shooting like machine guns and there's like shootouts and he's like you're scum we're gonna get you sanchez and right you know it's like dude the guy is just providing supply to people who want it now arguably mm-hmm. Some things are fucked up, but usually that happens when the government gets involved, like mm-hmm. the CIA crack epidemic and, mm-hmm. you know, how they supplied fucking the flooded the streets with that. The Gary Webb, journalist Gary Webb uncovered that and then he was murdered for it, but they right. were suicided. Right? I've heard other things about things like methadone or something like that, how they got people hooked on legal meth, you know? Yeah. Like, as long as the, they're getting paid, you can be on meth all you want, as long as... Right we're getting a cut. You better not be buying this and we're not getting our percentage, you know, but like if you want to come to our clinic and pay us, like you can be on meth all day, every day, you know, that's kind of a weird thing. But I guess in the sense of like talking about cannabis, which is more of a, uh, victimless, you know, medicine. Yeah. Um, if there was no drug war, everyone that wanted it would just grow it in their backyard. And because everyone could do it, no one would want to steal it from you. No one would want to own a territory no one would want to enforce it with violence you know what i mean right so. right that's the thing it's it's there it's you can't patent it mm-hmm. you know like these these plant medicines and stuff you can't patent them you can't own them you know you can't create a scarcity model where there's just infinite abundance mm-hmm. exactly. you know and so yeah i mean I don't know, man. I, I try and not even give that stuff like energy anymore. You know, mm, I'm just like, same. yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking positive, doing my thing, helping people, helping myself. Yeah. And and thinking, you know, just 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 living in that reality. I don't even want to I don't yeah. want to give weight anymore to the negative charges that want to pull me in and give it attention. Like right. I even see people talking about stuff online about like things that are going on or whatever, the 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 things of the day. And it's like Man, that doesn't like affect me at all, dude. Right. Like it doesn't fucking affect me at all. Years ago, maybe I would have chimed in to like get my opinion out there so I could have something clever to say or make a good point. And I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle controversy at Netflix. Who cares? He's a fucking comedian. I know. Who right? gives a shit? Let other people argue about that. I'm going to fucking, you know, stay doing my thing over here. Right. Right. Well, I think that that's 
healthy boundaries because to get overly immersed in the negative headlines just brings your own nervous system health down. And that's kind of what they're trying to create is a bunch of <laughs> Yo, sick Yo, you're bringing people. my nervous system health down, dog. For real, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they're trying to create a sick society of people who are overly concerned with shit that doesn't matter and not concerned with things that do matter. You know what dude, I mean? Get your NS NSH up, dude. Mm -hmm. Get that NSH. Yeah. So, I mean, health. yeah, it's a weird one because I'm caught in the similar thing where I don't personally weigh in on political matters like almost ever in a public forum. And, you know, you know, you get those kind of people sometimes that are especially close to you that can get away with kind of critiquing you because y'all are so close and friends and fam and whatnot. But like, you know, when they kind of say, where are you on this subject? Where's your support? Like, I didn't see a repost. I didn't see I didn't see you supporting this publicly. So you must not care about you know, our society, you must not care about the, the, the big, uh, injustices going on. Like you're a careless person. You don't care about blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, nah, that's not it at all. I just care more about the things that actually are going to impact my life. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, I always use this example of the ice bath. Like when you're in an ice bath, you're not Ooh. thinking about who the president is. <laughs> it's the <laughs> furthest fucking thing <laughs> from your mind. You're like in your body. Am I going to survive? Holy shit. I'm really doing this. This is me. This is my world. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're totally like into, you know, your own body and then even when you get out for one two three hours after you're very much more like in your life and not overly concerned with all this shit going on out there that doesn't even we've said this on another podcast i i had with you it, it doesn't even really seem to be in reality because i remember you had said this on one of our shows it was like someone's like fire destruction war violence and then you step outside and the birds are singing you know what I mean? So where is all that shit? Like, I don't see it anywhere in the real world. It's all just seemingly hype online, you know? <laughs> Dude, so true. Yeah, that's a Bill Hicks bit where he's like, you turn on CNN and it says, war, death, famine, AIDS, terror, mm -hmm. hatred, depression, recession. Then you go outside. Boop, 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 boop. It's yep. like the crickets. Like, where's all this shit happening, dude? Exactly. But yeah, it's like these, the, it's, it's David Graeber, who's like one of my heroes, famous uh, anarchist, anthropologist, philosopher, thinker, passed away recently, but he had a book called Bullshit Jobs, came out maybe like a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And his, his argument is like, the more and more that we keep air quotes progressing or think we're progressing, all we're really doing is solving Prob solving things to problems that we're inventing because we have more things. Mm -hmm. We have more jobs. We live, we create more abstractions. And then it's like, oh, well, we need someone to do that. Oh, well, we need someone to do this. Oh, well, we need someone to do that. It's like we, in reality, we really don't need all this shit. It's just like, well, we have this big office space and we have a team of writers. So we better find stories to write. And mm -hmm. what are the stories that they write? You know, you go on Twitter, yeah. you go on like dig Clickbait. or whatever. Yeah, Emily Rodzikowski's body has me thinking about my own. That's the top story right, right. now. What? Right. What? What is going? Like, what is? We're just inventing all this shit mm -hmm. to, you know. I mean, there's some interesting stuff out there, but it's really we, we're living in a time now where the choice is what not to consume, right? You know, because there's so much out there, and when you choose what not to consume and what to consume, then you create your own 
air right. quote reality, you know, because yeah. it's just like you're not taking it all in. It's it's too much when you try and take it all in. It's right. and it's not good for your nervous system. Exactly. Well, this brings me back to Tim Ferriss, who we mentioned earlier in the podcast, and he talks about in his book Four Hour Work Week. Right. Which, by the way, isn't about actually having a four hour work week. It's that's kind of just like a, a title to get your, your mind thinking. But uh, he talks about the low information diet and how to actually can take control, uh, how to actually can, uh, how to actually take control of your life. You first have to stop all of the external input um, and or at least slow it down by a, by a shitload. So like, you know, he goes into about how he won't look up certain news. If the news is important enough, it's going to find him. And in fact, he leans on his relationships um, to to filter out the news that he personally needs to know and that might actually personally impact him. So he kind of like delegates having a friend who's particularly interested in these topics to filter out the bullshit to, to then give him the concise information and now he's not surfing the web for five hours a day. He's building his company or he's building his life up or he's bettering his health or he's doing these types of things instead of just like being on Twitter endlessly. He'll let someone else in his circle who really has more of a fascination with that be, yeah, again, his uh, his news source. And there's a whole bunch of that. It's, it's pretty much like he says, you know, for one week, you need to go on a low information diet so that you can get clear on your life and your microcosm and clean your own house, so to speak, um, before you know you're overly worried about everyone else's house. <laughs> so fuck I, yeah, dude! Right? Yeah, like no. if your house was a mess mm-hmm. and your lawn's overgrown and you got boxes everywhere and shit everywhere and yep. walls falling apart, and then you go outside your house and you're yelling at your neighbors to get their shit together, right? Come on, exactly. what's wrong with that picture? You know, right. it's mandatory ice baths for all. Mm-hmm. Time Wheel Podcast Network <laughs> is gonna do it. Let's We're go. gonna travel to every every major city ice baths mandatory we're gonna knock on your door you're gonna answer the door be like uh yeah hi can i help you grab you throw you in the ice bath hold you down five minutes <laughs> that'd be a <laughs> good change the thing. world bro that'd actually be a good sheath commercial i'm gonna try and remember that where it's like steven knocks on your door and he's yeah. like we're going to the ice bath right now and he's like like a gangster who's like pushing <laughs> you into the bath you know that's funny yeah yeah dude well i mean Oh, man, it, it does see that we are intentionally seeking out challenging things to do mm-hmm. because we live in this world where like, dude, you literally don't have to leave your house. You could do whatever you want from home. Right. You can interact online. You can get things delivered. But what kind of life is that, right? Like you want to feel the human experience. You want to feel mm-hmm. the, the soul coming into your body and embody right. that that spirit. Yes. So we we purposefully engage in challenging things, right? Yeah. Like it's yep. it's pretty wild that we live in this time period where you, we have so much abundance, mm-hmm. so much entertainment, so many things that we could use as distractions if we wanted them, if we wanted to, and we have to be the ones to say no to a lot of things and also say yes to things that are intentionally difficult and challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I love psychedelics because when you use them in the right way, you can step outside of your normal everyday habitual uh, mental space and see a a overarching life view uh, of what's important. And for me, I saw so many times in my psychedelic states, almost this like near death experience 
like end of life flash, you know, your life flashes before your eyes type situation. And I would see, uh, I would get the intuition that how, how proud would I be if this was my actual death and I had just looked at my phone like this for so many hours of the day, um, I would not want to have lived my life that way. Mm-hmm. And so for mm-hmm. that kind of like, you know, before it's too late flash of your own death to re, uh, you know, to, to reprioritize the things that you're doing in daily life, you know, I would have much rather laughed with my friends in the sun sitting on the grass for all those hours and not just been alone on a couch on a phone, you know, feeling like I'm socializing or being productive. And I've gotten so many of those glimpses and psychedelics are so good at providing context for what a real good life experience is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Helps you remember. Mm-hmm. It makes you makes you feel the feeling of being alive and remembering what it what that feels like in you know fully because mm-hmm. you could say you know it, it's all relative to what your what your experience is and what you know if you never had the experience of feeling that feeling before well then you just don't know that it's available that's mm-hmm. why you have to do the thing you can't hear about it mm-hmm. yeah it has yeah. to be direct experience you have to go in the ice bath you can't just like intellectually conceive of that. Yeah, I could see how that could be beneficial. And, you know, yeah, that that sounds right. Yeah, that research looks good. It's like, no, dude, you got to go in there. Yep. You got to go in there, man. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, because it's so easy for people to to say, you know, I see the health benefits in that. I'm on board with that. But then never do an ice bath. And it's like, well, hey, you can't really like be on board with a thing you've never done. You know, I don't know that to me, that just doesn't feel, I mean, sure. Maybe you don't hate it, but you can't really well, you be could, for you could it. Probably, it's weird. You could probably on, be on board, but you're not really going to know what it really is mm-hmm. because there's an information that gets delivered to you. That's physical. That's mm-hmm. body. That's it's not in the mind. Right. It's something different. You know, same thing with plant medicines or, you know, especially fungi, like mm-hmm. there's an intelligence there. Yeah. What is it? I don't know. How does it communicate? Not like we communicate. It's different. Right. It's different. It's just different. I could try and explain it in all the best ways that I can, but at the end of the day, you're never going to know. Mm-hmm. You're just never going to know unless you just eat five dried grams <laughs> in silent darkness. Absolutely. Then you'll see. Then you'll there is see. a world that exists over there. It's here. Mm-hmm. yeah it's where yeah. we came from you know like i feel like it's clear to me that psychedelics have played a massive role in the evolution of the human species and the imagination and the mind and all of that and you know i've talked uh on this topic on a number of shows and even you know the whole stoned ape theory honestly makes a lot of sense to me because as monkeys who we all know chill in the trees and mushrooms grow on the ground, that would be the thing to bring you down to come get and realize, whoa, like really dope shit's on the ground. So let's let's stay down here and let's, you know, learn how to walk here and protect ourselves here and build here. And then slowly but surely humans, you know, form um, over however long, you know. Um, yeah. And alongside these experiences the whole time, that's why archetypes like the shaman and the druid and the the mystic and all of these 
the priest, all these things are hard drilled into us as like roles that people fill is because there's been people doing this work the whole human existence. And then it wasn't until the last, you know, 50, 70 years or something that all that was almost hidden from us, you know, by American culture and the history books that we grew up in school with. And, you know, shamans aren't real. That was a thing 2000 years ago. No, shamans are real even today. You know what I mean? And they need to be real because there's a very real need for that role. And there always will be, in my opinion. Right. Magic isn't real. It's just the uh, Harry Potter and Fantasia and, you know, Abracadabra and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we trivialize and fictionalize a lot of things. And we, we, we were made to think that like, you know, you, th- you start thinking in, in w- w- ways where people would say, oh, that's kind of woo woo or that's magical thinking or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you're trying to bring everybody back into this, this bland, like boring worlds where it's just like, look, here's reality. You got the wall here and the wall there and that's it. You stay in this room and this is real. This is grounded reality. That's Mm -hmm. it. You go to work, you shut up, you pay your bills, you die, you pay your taxes, die again. (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. It's like there's the mystical element, man. I even saw an article the other day and this is like reminding me back about like what I'm choosing not to give energy to. It was like an article someone posted on Facebook about like, and I rarely go on Facebook. I just happen to be on there and, Mm-hmm. It was like, is 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 there a problem with mysticism and psychedelics? And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, like I'm <laughs> I'm not even gonna give this any energy or attention because someone's just thinking of a provocative title mm-hmm. in Forbes, right? They're probably trying to capitalize on something. They're stirring some pot. This this doesn't exist. There's mm-hmm. no problem. They're trying to create something. And we need more mystics. We need mm-hmm. more mysticism. We need to be living in more of a magical, fun world where our environments, you know, spark us, spark joy, and and, and right. they're fun, like the festival environment, right? Yeah, like, hundred percent. Walk into your friend's house, like walking by, you see like someone on a one wheel, like with LED lights and like mm-hmm. spinning fire. You're like, whoa, that's cool. In the you celebration know, like, of life. In the celebration of life. That's important. Yes. And with everything we just said about magic and mysticism and stuff. I personally would rather live my life believing in all of it and at my death realizing I was wrong and it doesn't exist and and have made a mistake than to ne- never believe in it and turns out I was wrong and it was real. You know, I would rather be in the camp of people believing in it while I'm alive and having a ton of fun and then when I die I die. Oh well, you know, like I was going to die either way than not believing in it, shaming it, living a dull life and then dying and then realizing it was real. And it's like, oh, now I really feel stupid. You know what I mean? Because like, really, if we do just die, there's no loss in believing in all of that shit. And clearly it's there's a uh, weight to it because it hits us like the Harry Potter movie hits us for a reason. It's because it's something that's within us that we came from, that we archetypically identify with and are fascinated with and wish was real. And guess what? It is. You just have to put yourself in the right state to receive it or the right community to believe in it. Like there's this spiritual community called Dom and Her. Have you ever heard of it? No. Um, They're in Italy. They built the underground temples of Dom and Her. Um, psychedelic temples. If you Google like psychedelic temples. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think I remember you telling me about these underground temples. Yeah. yeah. They're amazing. But there's a community there that all believe in magic. Like everyone there 
And when you're in a bubble of people who all believe, it makes it way easier to believe. You know what Fuck I mean? Yeah. So Hell yeah. Um, and the, there's something to be said about you know the the bubble mentality and and how that could be a form of uh, manipulation and stuff. But I'm not saying like go buy everything that this one dude says, but like have your own experience and indulge in the mystery and the and the uh, the wonder and the the magic of life a little bit. It doesn't have to be what you think about 24 seven, but I don't know. I would again rather believe in it and be wrong than not believe in it and be wrong. So it's like, <laughs> well, well, yeah, but like, I mean, even I, I think, I don't think there is any being wrong because I think that when you believe in it, it becomes real to mm-hmm. you. Like right. a, a child who's like, Oh, like, you know, this is a, look, I'm a rhinoceros. Like, Ooh, I'm a rhinoceros or I'm a unicorn. Right. And they like mm-hmm. put a thing on their head. They're running around, they're playing, they're in that imaginary world. I remember living in that imaginary world mm-hmm. it was so real to me it right. was so and it was it was it was filled with such excitement and hope i remember being a little kid and being so excited going to bed the night before christmas yeah. because santa claus was coming totally now santa claus is not like real as like there's literally a guy that goes around and crawls into the chimney mm-hmm. but we've created the santa claus myth mm-hmm. that is real and it's like this real thing where we we have these this holiday and it's santa and the reindeers and the elves and there's movies and there's cartoons and there's books and the kids imaginations are lit up by this jolly guy who eats cookies and brings right. gifts and it's like what a cool fucking myth you know yeah. and we have the ability to create all those kinds of myths and it's only like that fucking bland manila folder office space adult world that says come back to reality you gotta start thinking in reality you can't be prance around thinking you're a unicorn it's like why not <laughs> go prance around be a unicorn and join a community of people who want to be unicorns everybody's chill and nobody's forcing anyone to do anything right. and it's like a chill environment fucking have at it man totally. create that reality absolutely yeah, I say, why not? Because um, I believe that, you know, creation is fractal. You know, creation is what made us. And so we, as, you know, forms of creation, continue to create and create new paradigms, create new forms of art, create new conversations, create all this stuff. And I don't know, I feel like that's the dharma of the human experience is to continue the fractal of creation and funny enough, this gets pretty meta, but you know, if there is a God quote unquote, and that God could just be computer programmers at a high level, um, they created us and we're going to then create us inside of another one. And then that one's going to gain, gain sentience and create others inside of that one. And, you know, this is informed by a DMT trip I had where, I, I I did DMT and the first vision I saw was a cosmic guy doing DMT and blowing out the smoke of the DMT and within the smoke of the DMT, our whole universe popped into existence and we then learned how to do DMT to see then where we came from. I don't know. It was, it was a really funny. That's awesome, dude. I DMT. had a similar fucking thing, dude. Let's go. Hell yeah, dude. And I even tried to uh, draw it on, mm-hmm. on my iPad, but I drew, he's blowing out all these fractals. And yeah. in my vision, it was a, a cosmic like baby. Okay. Um, and 
they had the cosmic baby was like hitting this pipe and then yeah. blowing it out. And then there was all these like fractals and this meth. But that is so cool, man. I yeah. love that. Can you say that again? The, the, the fractal create yeah. infinite fractal creation. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, creation is like a fractal experience as most of life is, you know, we tend to operate in these sacred geometry structures uh that create existence you know like a flower for example you know like you see like in a sunflower you see the the fractal way in which it generates um almost everything kind of generates that way is from from the cells that you know we became when we entered the womb and and the the sperm and the egg came together it creates the little bubbles and fractals and the flower of life and all the stuff like it's just the way that the universe seems to operate um but but yeah i mean going into that experience it's very clear to me you know on an experiential level um with with the psychedelic trips that i've had that um very likely this is just yet another hallucination i mean life life is just a hallucination that's extremely like consistent um and kind of not consistent in certain ways too so you can kind of peer through it um from time to time as well but it's funny that a hallucinogen quote unquote would show us the hallucination of our sober reality when they try to make you believe that it shows you the not real it actually shows you the more real you know what yes. i mean so yes yes a hundred percent i know what you mean i feel more real i feel more connected i feel more alive I feel like I know more about how, like what's happening and how it happens mm -hmm. by being in that space. And it, it makes me think like there's all these, there's so many brilliant people in the world. And when you're starting to talk about this, um, I'm thinking of like Fibonacci sequence yeah. and, you know, complexity theory and like, you know, there's, um, oh, there's just so many, man. Like there's the unified field theory and um, mm -hmm. just everybody has that like there's so many brilliant minds that have theories that have uh works that have studied though they'll even tell you well it's not a theory it's math you know like there's the math way of understanding mm -hmm. there's the spiritual like the spirit guides mm -hmm. there's all these different modalities through religion through science through theories whatever you want to say like there's something to what you just said about god God's having fun, man. Mm -hmm. Like that big cosmic God baby, you know, smoking yeah. that DMT bowl, like blowing that infinite fractal creation out. Right. That's going to then duplicate and replicate and, and mutate into infinite fractal creations of its own. Yeah. That's what I think the whole point of this is, mm -hmm. is how much can we create? How diverse can we get? Mm -hmm. How weird can we make things? How, how crazy can we, can we create, you know, mm -hmm. just keep going. Cause there has to be i think it's all true and it's all not in in yeah. both in well in both i could just ways. see you know gods are out there they're chilling you know they've done a lot they're uh they're looking for so, a fun night out you know like us humans and hey guys i got this creation dust guess what if you smoke it like it creates like more universes you want to try this shit out let's try <laughs> it you know what i mean and then they try it and they make the multiverse and it's like damn, this shit's funny. I wonder what's going to happen in there. Oh, well, we'll just leave, leave them to figure it out. And then, of course, we try to figure it out, but we're not going to because a god did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, well, but what's funny is by ingesting our own creation dust, DMT, 
we can get a glimpse of where we came from in my mind anyway like it, it shows me that we're all from an infinite source we're all yeah. infinite beings we're all emanations of the same light um and uh we're all unified in that and that's why it's good to be namaste with other humans you know what i mean because we're all the same thing we're all the same exact consciousness just confused by this little thing called the ego that wants more for me more for me and that means less for you you know but yeah by living with compassion and from the heart you can start to transmute those energies into things that actually heal people instead of just more 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 like and I'm sad, you know, I have everything I want under the sun and I'm still sad. It's like, well, why? It's because you don't have good friends. You don't have good relationships. You're not having good experiences with people and you got the game wrong, you know? So. Dude. Yeah. I think, I, I think that we've gotten, we've played a certain game for a long time and we're at a point right now where it's like, yo, we don't have to play this game anymore. Right. We could still, we could keep playing games, but let's just, we could play them differently. Mm. We don't need to play the game of like every man for themselves, like, you know, competition, cutthroat, you know, uh, just hoard resources, right. stack up dynasties, like, the, you know, right. whatever, whatever the fucking thing is, like cheating, uh, lying, stealing, mm -hmm. like these kinds of things. Like we could be creating new games. We are creating new games. And yeah. so it's just that there's, you know, there's a bunch of people in the world that are just really fucking lame mm -hmm. and they like <laughs> to just do things in like a boring, lame way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, you want to talk about aliens, UFOs or anything sure. like that? What, what else? What else should we get into? I love aliens and UFOs. I mean, I've been a fan of them uh, since I was a kid. I was always very attracted to them. And I always wonder what makes us attracted to certain things because other kids were, for example, attracted to being a firefighter. Like they saw a firefighter. Oh, I want to do that. Like that's, that's what I want to do. That's what, that's what's calling me. You know, someone might see a ballerina and want to be a ballerina. It just hits them in the soul. Like that's the thing I need to do. Like I'm so attracted to that. Like for me, when I would watch movies about aliens or these, like they would sell these tapes at the like grocery store and, and at Blockbuster, we would rent these movies about alien encounters and all, you know, like documentaries and these types of things. Those always reached out to me. They were like, oh, I need to watch that. And I need to watch that. And that's super dope. And that's really cool. And I would even draw UFOs as a kid, um, literally five years old. And I swear I need to find the first UFO I drew because I wonder what the fuck that means. You know what I mean? Like, why did I why was I so interested in aliens and UFOs? And then much later in life, learn all the stuff I know about psychedelics and those altered spaces. Uh, altered state spaces and entities that exist on the other side of all that that are seemingly the aliens you know that they're just like higher dimensional beings that can drop down into lower dimensions because they're so advanced and i don't know that's the way i kind of tend to look at aliens these days is like uh, entities that are highly advanced they've been evolving a lot longer than we have and they've figured out how to traverse dimensions and realms um, and they can exist in higher realms, but they can traverse to the lower realms as well. And every now and then we'll get a glimpse of them through a UFO or an alien abduction. But it's interesting, too, that I also feel that a lot of these alien abduction stories where people say, like, a, gr a, a great light lifted me out of my bed and I ended up in a spaceship and they operated on me and stuff. I tend to think that they're actually DMT trips. Mm. Um, your actual physical body didn't leave your bed. Right. But your experience your soul did leave your bed and did get sucked up by a higher dimensional entity. 
And that could be an endogenous DMT release. There are people that are just born with extra DMT and maybe they get flashes of it as some type of just like, you know, mutation of their biology. And so they've been abducted nine times. And yes, they really have been abducted. It was just their soul got abducted up to a higher dimension. It wasn't that their body actually went to a ship, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was in like a, like a magical sort of Aladdin style, but ancient India palace type magical place last night in my dream. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. really vivid. Like, where where was I? Exactly. Where the hell did I go? Like, I was there, man. Right. Yeah, like, you I were. I was there. You really were. You know, like I had this epic lucid dream and like I woke up and I was like, whoa, man, like that was you know, to tying it back to like what we were talking about in the beginning with time in the morning and everything. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, because I have very vivid, lucid dreams, when I wake up, I'm like, whoa, it like takes me a second to come back into this dimension mm-hmm. almost, like come back into this timeline or right. whatever it is, like come back into this waking consciousness. I'm like, holy shit, like I was just like somewhere else yeah. for a while and right. now I'm back and I'm Ooh, like, oh shit. I got a question for you about dreams. Yeah. Uh, have you had a dream where you do a psychedelic in your dream? Yes. I have too. Yeah. And it's interesting how it works. It's weird how like in a dream, I'll take a tab of LSD and like the LSD will kick in and I'll literally have a trip in my dream. Yeah. It's a trip within a trip. Yeah, I've had that. That shit yeah. is nuts. And it's yeah, awesome it's because cool. then you can wake up and be like, damn, I feel like I just got out of a psychedelic journey and it was free. You know what I mean? And I don't have to like my body doesn't have to process the next day because like for for instance, LSD for me actually depletes my physical energy quite a bit, which is why I don't use it very much Um, unless I microdose. You know, like if I do like a one, two tab journey, like the next day, I'm pretty like my mind is super sharp and clear and I'm floating and spiritual and all that good stuff. My body itself feels a little tired, you know, so it's nice to not have that side effect of the body being tired but i still got the trip you know that's freaking yeah 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 definitely i mean there's so many theories about dreams like what they are and what they what you know what they mean and and stuff like that and like i can't help but think like i've had so this was an interesting dream i was i think it was around 2014 i was deciding i was going to go backpacking and traveling it was I was either going to go to Thailand and travel around Southeast Asia or I was going to go to Peru and drink ayahuasca mm. for the first time. And in my dream, I was with comedian Ari Shafir and we were in Thailand drinking ayahuasca. Wow. So you did both. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what the fuck does that mean? But it was weird because I actually didn't know Ari at the time. I met him later on when I came back from my trip. But then when I came back from my trip, then like I started to notice he started going and traveling. Like he went to China, he went to he went to Thailand, he went mm-hmm. to like Bali. He he's, he like travels now, like all the time. I think he drank ayahuasca in like Ecuador or something. Mm-hmm. So some there was like a timeline or something that like we were doing that. Maybe we were doing that together. I don't know. Like, why was he there? Why, why did that happen? Why right. was it? And then why did he, he then went to go do those things like yeah. later in, in life. I love this topic. Um, I explored this on my episode with Eric Godsey when he came on my show about h- how does our dream world somehow have a, uh, a way to tell the future? Yeah. You know what I mean? 
It's really like prophetic dreams. And yeah, and it's not that it's going to get it 100 percent right. And exactly what you dreamt happened. But like some things from it, like that the dream symbolized and it like gave you the message that this will happen does tend to happen uh, for people who are particularly interested and or integrated with their dreams where they remember them or they keep a dream journal or something um, or they get that sense of deja vu a a few days later and they say, what? This happened in a dream. What the fuck is that? How does the dream world know what the future is holding? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, totally. Such a weird paradox thing. Yeah, I I think like, you know, to to call in like Jessa Reed terminology and and Noah Lampert like they they talk about like timelines like that's the the language they use yeah. timelines and it, I guess like you know it makes sense to me that basically there's an infinite amount of us's mm-hmm. or <laughs> us's there's an infinite amount of us right. and every like choice or decision that we make forks off into different timelines or something, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I feel like sometimes I'm having dreams where like I'm still doing stand up and I'm in New York or I'm like hanging out with people and I'm like I'm like why is this happening or I'll have like I'll have dreams where I'm like still working at the pizza place that I worked at when I was in like high school or something. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know, maybe maybe there's like different versions of me that like never left my town or never stopped doing stand up or you know went to travel around and do something. So I, I think of it almost like there, maybe there's like different timelines. There's different versions of me that made different choices and I'm getting to like go and jump in and see what that is, what's going on there yeah. or something. That's kind of like the multiverse idea. Yeah. Multiverse theory. Yeah. Totally. No, I mean, I believe that's a very real possibility. Um, and it's interesting how, you know, those, the dream state and the psychedelic state, uh, the things that pull you out of your current, you know, operating system, uh, is the thing that shows you that, but it's always super interesting. And my life has been full of synchronicities ever since I started using plant medicine. Like I've just seen so much interconnectedness between decisions I've made and things that were a good idea, things that were a bad idea. Like, um, they would, I don't know. I I definitely followed a breadcrumb trail uh, from my first psychedelic awakening, um, spiritual awakening, Kundalini arousal, you know, there's so many words for it, but I just started to say like, when I would see synchronicities, I'm going to go towards that direction or that's an affirmation or that's a positive message or that's a good omen or these types of things. And the more I followed those, the better my life got just being honest, like things have gotten so much better for me than I ever would have, you know, thought we've we've smashed our goals time and time again and it's crazy to be in that place where you know like uh for example like sheath like the amount of sales we get per day sometimes bobby will be like oh we had a low sales day and i'll reflect back and say i remember when if we had just got a sales day like that one single time our life would have been complete Mm -hmm. if we had just sold ten thousand dollars worth of underwear in one day one time our life would have been like, what the fuck is happening? It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. And now that's like the low number. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that relativity ratchet that, yep. that puts you in a different reality tunnel. Now you got, you know, now you got a Tesla. You got to, you know, you got to get a helicopter next. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, 
But I mean, that's, but it's also cool. It's cool that you get to do those things, but it's also like, yeah, I mean, I remember, dude, I remember when I had like so much more money in my bank account and like, I, I would just like, now I'm like so much more grateful. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's weird. You know, it's just like, it's all relative. Like you, your circle, your influence, your sphere, you're always looking at like, you you forget like i think it's just built into our programming cuz you can't always remember that because then you'll you'll just be stuck you know so you have to have a little bit of like ego moving you forward like to be mm-hmm. like hey i want to like achieve something like i want to hit goals i want to play a particular kind of game right you know yeah i think the integration of a sense of remembrance as to what would have fulfilled you in your prior more humble, more early state of life is very important because otherwise you just keep postponing your happiness to the future. It's always like, well, when I get this, I'll finally be happy. And then you get there and you're not happy and you again push it to now when I get this, I'll finally be happy. Like say it's a number in your bank account. Like when I finally get to $100,000 in my bank account, I'm going to be so happy. My life's going to be complete. I'm going to finally do the things I want to do. I'm not going to do shit I don't want to do. And then you get there. And because you're not able to remember that initial goal, you just say, ah, this, I'm so much less than that guy over there. So like now I, my real goal is actually 250000 in my bank account. And man, I'm, I'm really low right now. Like, damn, this sucks. You know, like I'm feeling bad. But like to remember what your goal is and your journey is and where you were is important to maintaining a sense of happiness and fulfillment in life, I think, because so many times I, I do try to reflect back on uh, how complete my life is now because of all the work that I had done instead of trying to further complete and further complete and further complete my life, you know, and I don't know, I think it's a healthy place to be when you are able to kind of sit in your success for a bit. Instead of always try to push the dial, always try to push the dial at the cost of even your health and your sanity and your sleep and, you know, all this and that, like try to slow down and remember. And I think it's important to have goals. Please set goals like that's what life is about, like achieving these fun little games. And you know what I mean? Like playing the game. But once you achieve the goal, you don't have to just like press the press it even further and further and further away from you, like get where you're going and and embrace that you're here now a little bit for a little while and it's not going to last forever but some people don't even relish in the little victories anymore like they nothing is good enough like nothing's ever good enough like they could have a million dollar company and they're comparing themselves to a billion dollar company and they're feeling like shit when like remember when you had no money now you have a million dollar company like be grateful and bask in this success a little bit you know what i mean Totally. Yeah. Comparison is the death of joy. Yeah. And, and remembering like that initial spark of passion to create because mm-hmm. where, wherever that place is that you're creating from is what you're creating, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're like not creating from that true authentic heart space of like love and joy and you're just creating to like make numbers go up or mm-hmm. something, that's people could feel that too. It's yeah. like, oh man, that this, this product used to be good, but when they switched over to this other material, now it's not good. And right. you know, it, it, whatever, it got a crack in it. And- yeah. The psychedelic space is always really good. It's showing me almost the stupidity of how far people will go to have a higher number on a, on a, on a screen 
You know what I mean? It's literally a number on a screen. Yeah. And like that is everything to them. Like that. Sure. Those amount of likes or that amount of money or that amount of followers, whatever it is, like they'll be unhappy because of a number of what a number on a screen dictates. And in the psychedelic state, I get the overwhelming sense of what is real and what isn't real. And what is real is the world, not the number on a screen. You know what I mean? It's totally it, it should have so much more value to you to have a, a, a healthy body and positive relationships in your life and healthy relationships and, and, and fun activities and being in nature and going into the river and putting your feet in the grass like that's the real currency worth chasing instead of sitting in a box for years upon years upon years, a cubicle, a room just to get a number on a screen up and then your life's gone. You know what I mean? Totally, man. That shit's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's everybody gets caught up in it. Even if you're in the spiritual community, the psychedelic community, everybody gets caught up in it. But we have new value systems that are forming and people are realizing like, hey, you know, we can we can love and support each other in different ways. And it doesn't have to be isolated. It doesn't have to be individualistic. Yeah. You know, um, I always support people finding and making wealth for themselves and spreading a message, but it shouldn't be what your happiness is based on. Like, I, I'm not against social media. Like, I love social media. I, I'm a social media guru, uh, as told by many people. Um, and, you know, I get it. I get the algorithms and the program that is social media and, and all the stuff. And I think there's a healthy amount to use it and make use of it and spread positive information and spread love. Um, but for it to make you upset because you don't have an amount of numbers or something like that, that is misguided. It's not misguided to show up and try your best at sharing a positive message. I think that's fine, especially if it's like sub one hour a day. But when you're, you know, if you're spending eight hours a day, that's your whole day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're right. not getting like other shit done at that point. You're sacrificing the whole the whole joy of the process mm -hmm. and the love of the game for the end result, missing yeah. the whole point, right? Like Alan right. Watts says, the point is to dance. What's the point of a, of a song? What's the point of dancing? It's to do the thing. Right. Well, that brings me to the concept of where at the beginning of a lot of people's social media journey, uh, they have a they have a form of work or artwork or music or a podcast or something that they want to get out. And the reason that they plan to gain fans is so that those fans will then enjoy that art. But then quickly they get swept away with just making more and more and more fans. And they only do the things that the social media rewards to get more and more and more fans and not the sole, the reason that they started it to begin with, which was to get more viewers to your podcast or to get, your art out into the world or your music out into the world. Now they're spending eight and 10 hours a day curating posts to get more fans and never making their art anymore, which is the reason that they wanted the fans to begin with was to share the art with. And now everyone follows your account because all they want is memes, not your art because you stopped integrating your art into the flow of what you were doing. And now you just got a, a page for shit. What do they call it? Shit posting, right? So now you've built for five years, like an account that only performs well when there's memes, when you started it to, pr to promote your music or your podcast or your art, it just gets people get lost in it, man. It's fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah, a lot of traps, a lot of, lot of traps, a lot of paths that are like mazes and labyrinths and, right. you know, 
What's uh, we're gonna have to wrap here. Yep. What is uh, what is something to? How can you help uh, the listeners here? What would you say? Because I know you always have like gems in this space of. You know, when, you know, to how do you stay consistent to try and avoid these traps, avoid, you know, or not even just avoid them because sometimes maybe you go into them, but you get out of them quickly, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like staying on the path, mm-hmm. not getting trapped in in the mazes and the tricks in the traps because there's so many of them wherever you go. You know, I, I once thought that as, as, oh, if I just get in the spiritual psychedelic space, then it's all gravy. You know, I ain't got to worry about anything else. Then right. I read Cho Young Trumpa's book, Spiritual Materialism, and mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, fuck, there's that. Damn it. Right. <laughs> um, for me, it's been integration of philosophy and psychedelics, plant medicine use, because I wouldn't have the headspace to mentally wrap my mind around the philosophy if it weren't for those experiences and knowing where those uh, philosophies are emanating from. So, for example, The Tao Te Ching has been an extremely helpful book for me to call back to if I find myself going into a negative headspace rabbit hole. I'll just remember The Tao Te Ching. And I wouldn't resonate with The Tao Te Ching if it wasn't for my psychedelic experiences. I wouldn't have understood what the fuck it was saying, you know? Um, But because I have... What is it saying? It's saying that the way is what's going to happen. What's going to happen is going to happen. And for you to try to control the uncontrollable is misguided. So for you to constantly be trying to control something that's out of your control, you'll never win. It's an endless fight that you'll never win. So why? Why would you do that? Why would you sign up for an endless fight you'll never win? So, so much of it is sitting back and letting the world do what it does. And you and it comes back to you and and gaining patience because I, for one, and am since a child been extremely impatient. You know what I mean? Like unpatient. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted everything. I wanted candy at the register. I wanted a toy if we went to the store. I would cry and have a fit if I didn't get it that, you know, as an adult, it was like, oh, I like this girl. She better like me, too. Like really quick. Like, I'm not down to wait for this, if, you know, like all this and like I was very impatient growing up and then through my understanding of uh, that came to me using psychedelics and then systems like the Tao Te Ching, I was able to see the process and trust the process and not try to control things that are out of my control, show up, do my best and then wait for the results, be able to sit back and relax and not overly tie your ego and your personality to the results of what's coming or, or to even expect results. You know, like I stopped kind of expecting that things would happen in this way. If I did them this way, I would just kind of show up authentically and, uh, say what I want to say, do what I want to do, whatever, and then be able to detach a bit from the results of that. And if it, if positive results came back, great. If they didn't, I wasn't expecting them anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just say, integration of philosophy has really helped me to continue on my path and not get overly wrapped up in negative mental spaces or or games not worth playing you know yeah so the direct experience Mm -hmm. that takes you out of your monkey mind that quiets your default mode network that activates your soul puts you in your body you see another world way of being and then having like a text like a, a, a somebody's thoughts mm-hmm. to 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 then apply that to like it's yeah. like 
the experience is like the meat and then the text is like the skeleton and right. then boom, you got a, you got a person. And mm -hmm. yeah, I love that, man. The, uh, the art of Wu Wei, the art of not doing, the art of not forcing. Yes, not forcing. Forcing, forcing, forcing. That's that is the like thing I had to learn to not do continuously because I would always, I would feel like before these experiences, try to force a thing, force a girl to like me, you know, like just by like trying to be overly romantic and whatnot, you know, it's like overly, I care so fucking much about this working and that actually pushes them away. It's so weird. Like by how like caring overly too much, you appear like an obsessed guy. It is like, what? I really just liked you. I didn't mean to appear that way. I just really liked you. I wanted this to work out and I'm a driven guy. But, you know, I had to like learn to sit back and let the, the results work themselves out. You know, hey, you know, like, let's just put it in the example of, of a, a girl again. Is it's just like, yeah, you know, I think you're super pretty. That's cool. And then that's it. I'm done. I'm done. If she wants to talk to me again, she will. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is this is just examples from like high school versus like my 20s uh, yeah, and, yeah. and how things changed. And similar with like business goals. It's like I, I wouldn't overly I uh, tie my ego and identity to the the success or not success of a business venture. I would just let what happens happen. And if a thing wants to naturally dissolve, I let it. You know, so many of the ventures I I undertook just didn't want to go they didn't want to live they didn't want to, to snowball effect and create a big thing and i had to listen to that instead of force no right. this has to work this i'm gonna put everything into this this has to work if it doesn't i'm destroyed this is a defeat blah 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 you know and i don't know i, I just think that there's that that balance in mind and as well just actually studying a text like the Tao Te Ching to the point that you remember and integrate it and can, can call to it um, on a whim because for you to read it once and then never think of it again doesn't really do you a lot of good. So Yeah, I recommend good. I love that you brought it up. It's such a great book. I love its, I love its teachings so much and I try and embody them. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's what? Like you can get a copy... 100 pages most it's a quick and read and it's a, a quick read and a quick listen too i think you can and get through it in less than an hour fucking read it listen to it it's such a good philosophy to to apply you know um your direct psychedelic experiences to and work with as like an integration tool yeah. and then also you know take it into the ice bath read five pages <laughs> <laughs> you totally. know Totally. Hell yeah, dude! All right, man. Well, this is uh, this has been awesome. Yep. Always, a, always a pleasure to uh, rap with you. Thank you. We're gonna. This is gonna be a new thing now. I love it. This is the new thing. The rainmaker. The rainmaker. Let's Matt go. Z and the rainmaker, baby. Time wheel. Shout out Elman Kombucha Sheath. Yeah. Anything else, Matt? Uh, check out my podcast, Zian Archive, X-I-A-N Archive. I've got brilliant minds like Mike here that come on my show, and I just really interview them. Who else? Them. Who else? Um, Eric Godsey, as we mentioned before. Uh, my good friend Donnie, a.k.a. Savage. He's got a lot of uh, insightful information to share about the psychedelic space. Um, you had a wizard on, too, da recently. Daniel Raphael. He's a yeah. wizard. He's a real wizard. Yeah. So if you want to hear what a real wizard has to say, He's episode 25. Um, just I have so many amazing guests. I'm I'm so grateful to get to talk you to do, man. Like you do. So, yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Can't wait to uh to hop in and actually listen to that combo. I it's got a downloaded. Good one. He talks about how he did Iboga and it kept him up for three days. 
Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. I just had a conversation like that. Someone shared. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, the world is getting smaller. More and more of us are having these experiences. We're connected. We got podcasts. We got awesome companies. We got all kinds of things that are coming together. Support your local awesome dude, Matt yes. Zian. Thank you. Appreciate y'all support. <laughs> Much love, y'all. Much Peace. Love. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, Always love chatting with Matt. If you want to support this show, please show your support. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts. Go to the Patreon, become a Patreon member, be a part of the Inner Sanctum Discord server. Check out our masculine uh, primal journey alchemy experience happening in Boulder, Colorado, December 17th. The link is in the show notes. It's called Inward. And uh, yeah. Check out the sponsors. Check it all out. Love you guys. Till next time. Peace.